Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforce technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by Enforce technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Hey folks, are you getting the most out of your post-fire reviews? Well, tonight we're going to be talking about effective questions you can ask to make your department better, and we'll review a form that the Phoenix Fire Department is using to collect data and make data-based decisions on how to change their operations for the future. All that and more on the next episode of Tailboard Talk, coming up right after this. Welcome to Tailboard Talk with Chris Rasmussen, Craig Nelson, and Jeff Wallen. Every month we explore different topics of interest to you, our cohorts in fire and emergency services. So whether you sit back and listen, sound off on the message board, or call in live to be part of the conversation, we welcome you to join us in our mission to improve the fire service for those we serve and those we serve beside. Now coming to you live from the Great White North, this is Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Tailboard Talk for Friday, June 30th. I'm Jeff. I'm Craig. And Chris. And as is our custom, we have to report on the weather. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Uh, So it's a beautiful sunny day out here at the uh, Tailboard Talk Just for the older listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are in the full swing of summer. We got the air conditioning on in the background. The grass is green. We're praying for rain and all that kind of good, happy stuff. And um, you might have noticed that things are a little bit different on this show, too. We are testing a whole new podcasting setup, the one that we've maybe talked about an episode or two in the past that we never quite got to. So we've got some microphones in our faces. We've got headphones on our ears. Uh, We're way too bound to the table than we're used to being. And there's also an initial real down and dirty video feed that's going on live. So if you're listening to this on the Blog Talk radio site, there's also a live audio feed possible, and I'm not sure how that technology works, but we'll figure it out and we'll we'll let you know. So you can actually see what what Craig looks like and you can see what Chris looks like. And I'm producing in the background because we only have one camera. So uh-huh. we'll get some more cameras to make sure Jeff's on there. It's pretty fancy, Jeff. I uh, I like it. Uh, we were just laughing. I, I don't know what to do with my hands. Now I'm on video, so I'm like, do I keep moving my hands? Do I do stuff like that? I, yeah, I think you need to keep your hands in motion during the whole podcast. That's just really the point body. of all this. The disappointing part about about it is in the background, in the Craig Nelson Memorial Podcast Studio that we're broadcasting from, is the fridge is 
and we can't open them up now because we're on video. So yeah, appreciate that, Jeff. I really do. Uh, sure. I'm sure you're also happy that um, most of the space that the, uh, the meat and cheese tray would have yeah, taken right. in the middle of the table is now taken up by podcasting equipment. So that's great. And I don't think we quite have the camera angle to be able to see the burn poster on the back fridge over there. Yeah, we can catch it. You can? It's on there. Oh, awesome. Good, good. Wow. So what, nice. what's new, Jeff, besides uh, the weather? Yeah, besides the weather? Well, I don't know. We're getting some new staff on board in our department and uh, training up some supervisors and starting to think about strategic planning for our agency and where we can go in the future. Those are always kind of exciting times. They're challenging times. And uh, whenever you're challenging the status quo, there's always a little bit of push and pull between the folks who want to kind of move forward and take on new territory, new ideas, and those who kind of like things the way they are and or the way things used to be in the past. So looking forward to some of those challenges moving on here, but our, our crews are busy training and doing inspections and all that kind of stuff. So then we can sit back in the office and just plan, make plans yeah. for the rest of the year. Ooh, ha, ha, ha. Crews appreciate that. I'm sure. I know they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Nice. Um, but speaking of that, too, actually, at, at the end of the spring, when things warmed up, the timing isn't normally right, but we just had uh, a series of fires occurring, not the same types of fires, but uh, we had kind of like an outbreak of structure fires in the last 30 to 60 days. Why? I have no idea, but it uh, just kind of cued me up to an article that was in Fire Engineering recently that uh, actually Chris has got sitting in front of him right there. Yeah, we had, I mean, we had a chance to to look at it. Obviously, it comes out of Fire Engineering Magazine. Um, we read it cover to cover like everyone should. <laughs> uh, um, Data-Driven Fire Operations. By? Uh, Tim, Tim, I don't want to butcher his name, Chris, Chris, Chris? Uh, Chris. Chris. Yeah, I, I didn't look to see if there's any relation to some of the other crises that have been with Phoenix Fire. I'm guessing so, that maybe there's a little bit of legacy there. But um, anyways, I, I browsed through that article and I was kind of intrigued by it, but then there was a little, uh, and you, we'll, we'll have a link to that article here in the show notes, but uh, they also had a link to a PDF that they were using to collect data after an incident. And it went beyond just doing maybe your standard tailboard talk that the guys would have right on the fire scene, or even beyond the post, you know, the post-incident follow-up you'd have back at the station, either right after the fire or within a couple days of the fire, getting everybody back together and walking your way through it. Uh, they were actually collecting specific pieces of data. And if, and if there's anything I know that firefighters love to do, they love to fill out a form <laughs> after they've been to a fire or an incident um, that has several pieces of data that they're collecting that, that uh, you know, just really trips your trigger to collect data instead of just talk about what we did and what worked well and what didn't. And so when I, when I printed that off, I was pretty intrigued by the things that were there. And then when I went to print off the article so we could each have it, uh, my printer ran out of magenta ink. So that's why we have the one copy for today, because we prepared this a week ahead of time. <laughs> no. So what do you guys think of data? Uh, I think maybe we should start with, <laughs> I, I don't have the Webster dictionary of, of what uh, defines data, but what do you, what is your opinion of data? What's, what's your definition of it? And the goods and the bads. I have my theories, um, but I'd like to hear from you guys. You asked a lot of big questions. First, so yeah, I gave seven parts uh, question. Um, <laughs> what is I this can't interview? Repeat those I either. was just going to say I, I sat in on a webinar today that was talking discussing data, and the presenter did a really nice job of, of talking about it in a way that made it understandable as far as why it's important, but also went into how we do it wrong in a lot of ways. So we think we're using data, but in a lot of ways we're, we're biasing it 
and, and don't realize it. Right. Uh, and so it, it started with kind of the, instead of going with your gut reaction, which we've all talked about before that that's been used in the past. I've done it myself. It's not very accurate. Uh, but we kind of feel like, Oh, we've moved past that. We're not chiefs aren't making gut decisions anymore. They're using data. Well, a big part of the problem is we're not using the data the way we should, or we're not collect, we're collecting it in a biased manner and or using it in a biased manner. So we're, we want more people or we want more stations. So we collect the data that supports that, <laughs> even if it maybe does mm -hmm. not support it, or it's maybe not needed. Just kind of leave that data out of there. We, sometimes. yeah. It, so we go about it in the, that way. And, and he, in his presentation, he was talking about, you should actually approach it from the angle of why don't we need it? And then that helps you build your case for why you might need a new station or more personnel. And, and he, he was at the point where he's, he's at a much higher level with this where he, he, the company he's working with has started figuring out, well, how much does that, how much do you gain from adding a station? How much do you gain from adding a, a, an apparatus or a quick response unit? How much do you gain from adding personnel? What's, what's going to be your return on investment? And that was the whole point of his conversation is then you can answer those tough questions that your mayor, your commission, your uh, council, whoever oversees you, your administration, whoever looks at that, you're able to answer their questions and why do you need this? Well, this is why we need it because this is what it will do if you can show them what it'll do. And so it's, it's a proactive look at it. And he even talked that we should start using data more in a forecasting model. So this is what our plan is to do. Based on our data from this last year, this is how many runs we have. We're projecting this many more runs next year. This is what our performance is at. We're projecting our performance can be at this standard. Sounds interesting, I guess. Yeah, and I don't know if uh, if you've ever clicked on a survey, you know, for, for whatever purpose, somebody uh, going through an EFO program or whatever, um, vendor, what have you, but you click through the survey and you get to question number four and you say, my answer isn't in there. How is this supposed to work now? So that a lot of work really needs to go into preparing for the data collection. And it's also important to have people other than yourself or your team go through that instrument or that data collection sheet or whatever you're using to collect the data and do some dry runs with that to see, is it working the way other people would expect? Because the designers in their mind, not only can they have bias to be collecting data that's that's focusing towards a decision, because we've probably seen those questions too, that they're, <laughs> well, this is a very leading question. And it again, it doesn't have my option on it. So that you've only right. forecasted four outcomes. Why isn't there another? Or why isn't there this? That, that it's good to have somebody with an outside perspective look at it that it might be a little more human or might not be as knowledgeable with where you're trying to go with it. So you can actually open up greater possibilities of where the data could lead. Sure. Sure. What, what happens when you don't believe the data? You're going to go deep right off the bat. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get right into it before we jump into the, uh, the article itself. But <laughs> let me tie this back in quick to what I was saying. Cause I kind of got off track with what I was saying, but what I was trying to get at is, that's what we found with our after action reviews is they weren't they weren't getting to what they were supposed to get to and so we've started doing something very similar in Fargo like Phoenix has but we haven't taken it to this level so I like this idea of actually making check boxes you can collect the data you can start trending some of that information but 
what we found was it was it was a lot of pats on the back and it, it really skipped over the learning points uh, because sometimes there isn't a lot of time it depends on who puts it together etc there are a lot of factors that that can change how an after action goes so i like having a standardized format like this now <laughs> to go back to your well question, I, the reason i the reason i question it is sometimes is i you know and it's like use the 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 fact of you doing run reports. So we, we do run reports for every single run we go on. We, we collect a ton of data. Um, and what I, it's what I call good faith data. And it's a made up term that I've somehow made up in my mind. That's called good faith because everyone intends to do the right things when they're filling out the run reports. Uh, but you have, you know, in, in our department, we have nine captains on during the day, they go on different runs and they fill it out differently. Um, some are biased, some are pushing agendas, some are skipping stuff, some are doing things like that. But in general, it's good faith data you're collecting. Is it true, true data? I'm not 100% sure. We can use some of it, uh, obviously, to, to lean on and to plan for the future and do things like that. But I live it every day. So what I, what you, sometimes when I read some data stuff that comes out of uh, certain people in our department, I'm like, I... I see what you're saying, but I'm out on the street and I'm not seeing that. That's, that's, I guess what I like about the way we're doing it now is everybody fills it out and sends right. the data into a central collection point. Right. And we, we were finding biases. We were finding, oh yeah, of course your shift, your crew, you're going to say you did a great job. And what you find is that when you get it from the rest of the shift that's there, you get other things that weren't necessarily there before or right. a little bit more honest opinion, like kind of what you're saying is you don't always get that honest data. And some of it's because maybe the person didn't see it or didn't know it happened because they were in another location at the same incident or busy doing something else. In this case, then you get everybody's perspective. And, and so that helps it not saying it makes it bulletproof, but it right. helps. No, and I, we have, we have upped our game. And it's been closer to what what we're seeing, what Phoenix has been doing for a while now. Um, it's great for the debriefing, what we call a debriefing afterwards, and the crews get together online and talk about it. Uh, the goods and the bads, what we could do better, what have we thought of this, what can we do? It's all great learning experience. Are we collecting that data for an overall year-end, this is what the fires happened, and what can we improve on? Not. Officially, formally, I know I collect it. Sure. Go through it yeah. with the training captains. There's certain things I'm looking for. So I monitor how many times was there a safety officer other than the IC? Because right. if it's a true working fire, I don't consider the IC and a very competent safety officer. There's sure. too much going on with radio traffic, uh, talking to PD, ambulance, et cetera, all these different entities, media. You're trying, you should be focused on the fire. Uh, and so I like to see, was there a safety officer assigned? So I, I track that. I also like to look at, again, part of my job is safety for the department. So I'm looking at, was there a RIC team assigned? If there was, when were they assigned? When they were, were they released, et cetera. But some of those things that we should be doing that we're taught to do in our ICS training over the years, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. You know, did you get utilities? Did you get your water right. supply? But uh, I look at it from that perspective and then in my weekly meetings, go through it with the training staff and go over it. But as a department, we're not collecting it. And that's that's when I see this Phoenix right. sheet. I go, 
we should be collecting it in a much bigger fashion. Yeah, and if you guys are familiar with it and you download the document, there's there's a lot of great questions in here, um, even as far to what uh, hose line you pulled and how effective it was. So, you know, is, a, is an inch and a half or inch and three quarter better than a two and a half or whatever? Um, you have the data right there. So uh, depending on time of arrival, all those things come into play. But I think that's, it, it can enhance your training program, can enhance how you respond uh, on your uh, calls itself. So I think uh, it's a very good thing to do. Um, you know, obviously people can use this, this as a uh, template, but you could, you know, if you have other questions, uh, how many times are you getting aid? How many times do you not need aid? How many times do you second alarms? Those kind of things would come into play, and I think it would be very good and benef very beneficial to collect uh, over time because you always do have those arguments of uh, straight bore, fog, nozzles, all these kind of different things. Well, I can have some now some proof that, that this one is maybe works a little better or more efficient than the other ones. So kind of an interesting way of collecting data. Sure, and I think you do need to start with asking, you know, what 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 questions are we trying to answer or uh you know what are we trying to get out of that data collection because when i'm s seeing this form here uh, and looking through it there are 43 different questions that are being asked at a, at a fire incident i probably wouldn't have come up with all 43 of these but you can tell they're saying there are certain questions we want to be able to answer certain um, tactics and strategies we want to line up with the end results and see how they worked out. Also want to be able to see, are we having performance issues with one district or um, with, with certain crews or how does that correlate perhaps with their training back and forth in the end result when they're there? Um, even to answering, do we have their, are the stations located in the right places for where the actual fires are in terms of the effectiveness of being able to put the fire out and where their strategies effective and so forth. So um, you might have unique questions in your area that apply to you for for us in Moorhead right now, we've got several sets of railroad tracks in town, and one data element we're tracking is whether or not we were delayed by a train in that fire. So we can see how many times is it happening, what's the impact for all the various call types, but what are the impacts for the fire calls? And um, over time, that did help us uh, get some justification for some state and federal grants to fund an underpass uh, to help improve the fire response in certain parts of our town. And so uh, it was designed very specifically for that purpose. If we were just grabbing Phoenix's form without figuring out, does this work for us? Does it collecting the kinds sure. of things we want to? Uh, you might be missing some things that are unique to your community or some questions that you've been trying to answer, but you haven't because you haven't been taking the time to write that out and figure out what those questions should be. Right. You know, there's all kinds of different things you could do. Effective response force not my favorite term, but that's out there. Um, uh, how often an engine is unavailable. So you're pulling from a farther distance. Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of things are, are very beneficial in, in building new stations, in not building new stations and doing those things. So and that's another thing with data is, is I think we have to be careful how much of it we collect and kind of what you guys are talking about right now is, so what do we want to know? What do we need to know? Not just, Oh, we can collect it, so let's collect everything. Uh, and I think that the fire service kind of jumped on that bandwagon, I don't know, the last 10 years or so, maybe not not the most recent 10, but because I think we're coming out of or starting to refine it now too. Yes, you, it's it's that's great if you can collect it, but you even got to be careful how much data you push out to your crews because they don't want to read emails every day that are just full of data. <laughs> so it's, it's using the data in a way that it's actually going to do some good and be meaningful to people cutting out the stuff you don't need 
And then also putting in a format that is easy to read, easy to understand too, I think is extremely important and sometimes gets left out. Sure. You know, some of this information could be, you know, fires in non-sprinkler buildings, fires in sprinkler buildings, and it maybe helps the case for your community to get the sprinkler codes updated or, you know, things like that. So it helps, it helps in a lot of different things. <clears throat> data, I love data. I love reading it. I love questioning it. <laughs> uh, um, I love challenging it. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, it's very good for the fire service to be in that. Now, well, do you guys have anything you want to? Well, I, you, you've kind of flirted with this a little bit, but what do you do when people won't believe the data? Right. I mean, that, that's what we have going in our, on in our country right now, too, is, right. is we have political uh, diversion here, and there's a lot, of, a lot of information, a lot of misinformation. I just sat in on a, a conference last week, and uh, one of the people there was, was talking about during COVID-19, how could we have communicated better with our personnel and so forth? And, and I really, in my mind, I'm going, we did communicate with them almost daily. And you had Dr. Fauci on the TV almost every day. Sure. The problem was the amount of misinformation. And so I, I don't think that it was that we weren't communicating. I think it was that there was other misinformation. And so that's the other problem we're going to run into, no matter what you're talking about, if you're talking about data, you're going to have people that don't believe it, and you might have people that are spreading misinformation even on top of it. So you, you're saying that there's politics and firefighting? <laughs> so that's that's what I'm asking. And what do you do with the guys <laughs> or groups that they don't believe it? You tell them these are your response times, and they go, I don't believe that. They don't believe it? No. no. <laughs> that's that's a whole nother show is that their human behavior. Is that, uh, as administration, is that acceptable? <laughs> It does it work? I'm asking for a friend. In most cases, I think people believe the data. They understand the data. Right. But you're going to have, again, it, it, every organization, it, no matter what you do, you're going to have people that don't believe it. They right. Don't believe you. Does it does it matter who it comes from? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. 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 If the chief is in it and people are maybe. Mm-hmm think the chief's got an agenda, could twist the data. Yeah. Or the staffer that's in charge of that particular yeah. particular data collection point. Yeah. yeah. Or the union or, what you know, I mean, all kinds of different people out there that, that could possibly be construed as having an, a, an agenda somehow. And I think that's where it's important as we do things. It, it, we're seeing it more and more. It's one of those, I think, very positive trends. At least I've noticed it in a few different agencies that I've been around in the last year is the union and administration working together. Yeah. And when you work mm -hmm. together, you're going to get a lot more done. If you're fighting, you're not going to get anything done. Mm -hmm. But when they're both involved working together on the, the stuff, then it's, it's easier to believe it's easier to, for people to trust it. Right. So when you're working with your data, involve your people in the union. Have them be part of it. Have them understand the process. Have them understand how you get the data, where you get the data. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's I guess, one way that we could help. I think, I, I think that's a great answer, right? Mm -hmm. Involve all factors yep. in collecting data. Yep. And, and where possible, involved in the design of that data collection yep. up front as well, too. From so the beginning, yeah. Not done in secret with administration, you know, right. even though you need, sometimes you need that specialty uh, of, of what you're thinking about up there. And, the, and again, the questions that you're trying to answer, 
Um, but oftentimes if you're working in a group with people that aren't at that same level that you are, aren't working outside of that, they can come up with additional questions you should be asking that you wouldn't have thought of yourself either in that process. So you build a little bit of trust and you probably get better data and more well-rounded data. And when people understand what we're going to do with the data, uh, you're probably going to get better data collected if they understand what the output is going to mean or what kind of planning decisions are going to be ma made. So I'm looking at, at Phoenix's and question number, tw um, question number 28, were there any solar panels on the building or otherwise involved? <laughs> yes or no. I have, I personally here where we, uh, we don't get a lot of sun, <laughs> don't really know what the implications of that question are, why it's important or why you would ever collect that data. Now people, West of the uh, people west of here and south of here might say, oh, you, you idiot. You got to collect it. Yeah. No, they would just say, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and they would stop right there. But but no, the folks that are in, in sun-filled regions, it might be very obvious why they're collecting that data and what they're going right. to make out of that. But, yeah. but could we swing it? Could we, did we have a excess snow load <sighs> on mm -hmm. the building? Could we have, you know, so you just design it for your community, I think is very important. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of solar panels up here. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have to have a question about um, did you need to shovel out the hydrant prior to making right. water supply? Was was the fire hydrant frozen? Or that would be in a list of five different checkboxes of any any disruptions in the water supply. Yeah, winter-wise. No requiring shovel. Yeah. Frozen hydrant. Right. River low. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's very good information on the survey. You know, there's near-miss surveys. There's maydays. Um, did you do a post-incident critique on site, you know, before you left. That's that's very important. Um, did you gather all this information to have an official post-fire uh, visit with the crews? Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's uh, very good. I would like to, I mean, if you read the article, and I, I recommend that everyone does and look at this checklist, but there is a what we have learned area in here. And yeah. I, it's very good, very good information. I'm not going to read this article to everybody. You can read it yourself at Fire Engineering. Um, but there was some good information that they were able to gather and uh, they could, like say, design their training programs, design their policies. They could uh, mm -hmm. uh, put more money towards a certain area that they were using often, all the time. Yeah. So. Uh, one, one thing I found uh, when we're talking about that is when I was going through the executive fire officer program, um, and I'm a little more old school, so I, I was done with my program about 10 years ago, but one of the key classes in there was a community risk reduction class and you needed to bring your local data to analyze your fire problem and your community risk problems. So who, who's getting injured, who, uh, who's at risk for various types of incidents. And I knew what the national statistics were because we talked about that in class. Um, and then when we pulled our local data, I was amazed to find out that the fire picture in Moorhead, Minnesota is almost identical to the national fire, fire problem. And I would have sworn up and down, no, that's not that's not true. But our data showed that yes, young adults and our young kids and and older adults are at much higher risk in the city of Moorhead for um, being killed or injured in a structure fire. Alcohol is a factor. Socioeconomic status is an is uh, is a causal factor in fires. And I would have sworn that I haven't seen that when I go out to fires. But then we looked at the data and realized, holy cow, yes, we do. Right. Son of a gun. And so sometimes the data makes it clear. Uh, and sometimes data points out things that you did not expect. And uh, you could have swore we're different, not just we meet a national standard, but that's what Phoenix was looking in some of their findings. Hey, here's our, here's our real picture after looking at runs for a period of time. So what does that say? 
that's that's the after analysis part. Is what they found appropriate or not, or is it the best use of resources or the best outcomes that we want? Does it meet our standards? Yes or no. So the data alone doesn't really tell you what you need to do. It just gives you the point to ask a lot of questions and decide where you want to take it from there. Just, yeah, I think it's yeah. well, <clears throat> the other. Th I guess piece I was going to say is that's important in some situations, especially if you're doing a survey, is that it be unanimous, that people aren't afraid to speak up or, or to make suggestions. I know for our training, uh, with our monthly training, we started sending a survey out, I don't know, four or five years ago now. <clears throat> but that survey goes out every month after training. In the first few months, the first year, it was a lot of shots at the training officers, <laughs> jokes, that it was not as you, that useful of data, but over time uh, we've moved away from that and we get really useful information from people. And part of it is with it being unanimous, if it's something that they think it, it's not necessarily that's a criticism of training, but they, they, they're going to be less likely to put that down if, if you know exactly who sent it and right, it, right. they they're unanimous. It's so yes, we, we've worked past some of the, the pot shots that, people took and now it's it's almost all really good useful information and we get constructive stuff in there that we go oh we didn't think about that let's add that in and then we use it in the future and it just makes it better right i i, I think that's that's important um we do post uh, incident debriefings on our, on our shift and I, and I am one of the incident commanders usually at those and uh, I'm an adult. You can take your shots at me. Uh, I I know when I didn't do something or, or you know, um, and I need to learn all the time. Even after being several years in the fire service, I continue to learn all the time or remember or, you know, change my uh, methods or those things. That's important. So go ahead and, you know, take shots at me. That's fine. Um, I also get shots back. I can take shots back, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah, this crew didn't do this. What were they thinking? You know, but we try not to do that. You, you try to learn lessons learned and, and how to get better. And um, we are individuals, we are crews, we are shifts, we're departments, we're, you know, employees of the city, we're, you know, the whole, we can go all the way to one big happy USA, right? So uh, we're all trying to get better and, and try to do the right things and make sure nobody gets hurt. And, and do things as efficiently as possible. But can you can you take this data and use it with your city government? And how how would you do that? Yeah, absolutely. If you've if you've got an area where you've you've noticed your response times are deficient, or in a part of town that um, is seeing more damage and structure fires than other, it can indicate that a place that needs more resource needs. Um, it, it could identify missing pieces of equipment that you truly need to have because you weren't able to be effective at certain incidents because you weren't carrying what you needed to have on there. Um, and it could also be showing the success of crews that are there. So if you institute a new initiative and you're seeing improved results in the community, that can demonstrate the success and the value and that the investment in that program was worth it in the first place and can be worth maintaining that investment yeah. as well. Or it's not working. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely that too. Yeah, to say we've we've tried it. It sounds like a good initiative. We thought it would have these results. It didn't. Data may not answer the why without more analysis, but yes, ab absolutely. And uh, elected officials and uh, administrators in your city are are much more likely to pay credence to what you're saying if it's backed up by some data and backed up by some thoughtful reasoning and analysis to go along with it. So you talked earlier about when you're in the EFO program youth, uh, elderly, social economic issues, mm -hmm. these kind of things 
you could probably get, gather that data like you did yeah, and then bring it towards the city fathers, mothers, commissioners, whatever, yeah. and, and have um, maybe get some money towards those programs, maybe change building codes, maybe do different things like that. So that's yeah, a good. Yeah. And we, when we were partnering with uh, the American Red Cross on smoke detector installations it helped us zero zero in on where would we have the greatest impact by doing this yeah, where they don't have smoke detectors mm-hmm. which where would that be yeah yeah and correlating the fact that uh, the, the places where they don't have them as much are when we the other thing is when we do this we did we did an earlier smoke detector installation run before the red cross was doing these kinds of things and we did it in one of our um, manufactured home communities and we were able to document a significant decrease in structure fires after we did that and a significant decrease in injuries and deaths due to those fires in that trailer court, which which indicated that that program was just by buying smoke detectors, by buying and installing smoke detectors. That's, in the an, that's an easy fix, right? Absolutely. And we figured, well, we'll we'll do these, but maybe the batteries will be pulled out in a month. Maybe we'll have this. Maybe we'll have that. But when you actually see that the number of fires go down and the number of injuries and deaths go down, right. which is which is where it's really at. Yeah. You say that time was well spent. That's a program that's very valuable. And it's not just how much money do you place on a life, but when you say for the cost of some smoke detectors that were mostly donated and our, and our labor that we used, that we did while we were there, right. that you actually made a difference in the community, which, yeah. which is why we're here. I mean, that's, that's you can't have a better feeling than yeah, that. that say, we made a difference. Yeah. That's why I'll go back to the beginning. Collecting data is pretty important. Um, working your way through data, difficult. Mm-hmm. But it's very important to grab that data and, and start looking at it, looking at it closer. So good, good, very good. Uh, you know, if I'm looking at data right now, I see that um, we we've been recording for about a half an hour, which is you know sometimes oh. beyond our ideal target, <laughs> and I think right on the edge of our audience's tolerance. Yeah, data, <laughs> yeah. data talk, data talk. Yeah, we've been data collecting. For yeah, a while. we we really should put a case. survey out after each show and and analyze the topic. Most people and. and click off after the weather. They just want to hear what's going on up here in the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why your local news does not start off with the weather beginning of the newscast. Maybe we should be moving our weather report to the end. To the middle. To the middle. There you go. Right before sports. Right. To the middle. It's one TV station. To the end. Yeah. Yeah. We have one TV station that's splitting it up and the weather is half before sports and now half after sports. You could add health ailments in there toward the end. Yeah. Those old people right to the end. Right. Talk about my back's a little tight today. Yeah. yeah. Tell everybody how I'm doing. Right. So I don't know. I guess just to wrap it up, I would I would definitely recommend reading the article, clicking on the links that come with it. Um, I apologize if I butchered Tim's last name and I'm not going to even try again, but uh, he's <laughs> been in, he's an assistant chief uh, from Phoenix and he's been around since 2002 at that department. So uh, he's got a lot of knowledge. Um, He's obviously doing some good things out there in Phoenix. Uh, I think uh, any department could probably do this, I, I collect this yeah. data. I, I'd recommend that if you if you have an idea and you're not working on data for your department, bring it to the people that are. Um, I know because I've worked a lot with our data that I'm always interested, and, and that's one of the conversations we have is, is what else should we be collecting that we aren't? Right. And it's hard because you're always wearing your firefighter blinders and a lot of times somebody in the organization has a good idea, bring that forward and you might either find that we're already collecting it and we know what it is and we can share that with you. Or we might find that we're not collecting it and it would be nice to have that information and we'll try and find a way to add it in or collect it. Craig, you and, 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 uh, 
Jeff are high up in administration? Do you have time to look at this data all the time? Or are you constantly just strewing over it every night? No, not constantly. Um, I like to have the help of other folks who can process the data <laughs> and get closer to the results phase and then see what that what that means for us. Some departments are adding analysts to mm -hmm. their department, which is great. Yeah. Um, we all know how easy that is to get done sometimes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not a lot of money available for that, but uh, it's something you should be looking at. Yeah. Get, you know, start planning ahead and maybe it's in your five, 10 year budget or whatever, 10 year plan that you have someone that can uh, sit down and collect it and organize it. And, and if you can't find somebody in your department yeah. that's interested in it or yeah. has those strengths or that training. Went to school for it or, or yeah. Yeah, exactly. or find somebody in that GIS department who's kind of just loves the idea of helping the fire department out with yeah. data because it's more interesting than some of the we other. Just, uh, we just interviewed a kid the other day that was, his dream job was to be a police analyst. Remember that? Yeah. Did we hire that kid? We probably should hire that kid <laughs> to jump to the top. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just convert him to the fire side. There you go. And if you're not ready to start with a full four-page survey with all these questions, start small yeah. and add from there. So three or four questions that you really want to have answered in your department to begin with. Yeah. Well, it seems like I'm constantly doing surveys at work and it's obnoxious sometimes, but we're collecting data for runs and all, of, all those things. But then the surveys come at us, cultural surveys, how's training going on? What's the hazmat team doing? You know, I mean, all these different surveys we're pumping out. So uh, it's good data, good data. Take the time, be serious about it when you get those uh, survey monkeys in your in your uh, emails. Be serious about it. Don't just blow them off or that's something I have to do because you can only help add and make programs better. So take them seriously, people. Because we're, we're going that direction because yeah. citizens, and we're, we have been in that direction for a long time, but like city commissioners want to see data. They're, they're dollar people. They're money people. They're numbers people. Um, not too few are just emotional. Eh, starting to get a few, but um, they want it. You want to. You want to increase your budget by three million dollars because of why, and you better be able to say why, and tie it to an impact. Yep. Show a difference that you've made yep. in the past with those kinds of yep. changes. If your city's in a growth phase, so you can predict the outcome yep. of this investment. Does your new station uh, provide better run times? Does it lower your ISO? Does it do all these things? You yep. better have that data. That's exactly it. It's it's their job to choose the level of service you yep. provide. Yep. It's your job to educate them on what you can do with the different dollar amounts, with the different staffing yep. levels, with the different numbers of stations. Here's your options. Equipment. Exactly. Yep. Here's what we can give you for this. And so if you want the best service, this is what it costs. But we have to have the data to back yep. it up. You can't just say that. Yeah, I want, I, I want 12 stations in my department. Just because I want them doesn't mean I want five guys on every engine. That doesn't mean that you have to prove those things. I'd be happy with four. Right. So <laughs> we would be happy if you had four, Jeff. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, that, that wraps up the exciting data episode of Tailboard Talk. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, every so often it's fun to get off the topic of uh, hiring and hiring, promotions. Yeah, hiring and promotions. And, yeah. In fact, we should stay off it for a while. Yeah. yeah. For a long time. Good. All right. Good. Well, good. very good. Enjoy yeah. the enjoy the summer out there. We appreciate you tuning in and thinking this stuff through. Check out the links in the show notes to get to that article and uh, download the PDF and check that out. And otherwise, between uh, now and next month, stay safe and uh, hope to have hope to have you listening to us again in about a month or so. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Have Take a care. good one. Thank you for listening to Tailboard Talk. Don't forget to tune in each week, Monday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific, for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. 
You can also subscribe to all of our shows on iTunes. Just search for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Check out our educational programs and consultation services. They're all available at tailboardconsulting.com. There you can find links to all of our shows and our magazine articles. Thanks for listening and join us again next month for another episode of Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio.